push that like button. Hello, everyone. This is Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, the Disrupt Meister. Welcome to This Week in Bitcoin. Today is August the 23rd, 2019. Strong hand, be a unique beast, value your wealth in Bitcoin. Having hype, unconfiscatable, one Bitcoin equals one Bitcoin. Offended by selling, in motion, five-digit realm. Best guest in the space right here, your home for Bitcoin insider information. We've all got the conviction here. Alex is back. Yeah, Alex Spetsky, he is back from Australia. And we got Anders coming in from California. I am so pumped. We're just going to jump right into this show right now. The big news at the beginning of the week, you've probably forgotten it by now, people, because you've been inundated with, my God, this week was filled with like nonsense blockchain, let's start a blockchain for this country type of news. It was like straight out of 2016. But there was something uh, pretty legitimate at the beginning. Uh, the BACT announced that uh, BACT's uh, Bitcoin futures and warehouse to, to debut in September. Now we knew it was coming. Now they've given us a, a date. Anders, what do you think about this? Um, well, it, it, it seems to be uh, like definitely all good news. I don't think there's anything bad about it um, and uh, as I understand it it does allow institutions to get in in a way that is secure for them that they couldn't do before um, I, I, I guess it has to do with the um, with the way that the Bitcoin is is held or uh, being um, uh, yeah held in custody in a way that is uh, safe and probably hopefully insured um, and if that is the case uh, it's extremely positive um, so uh, it, it's a thing that I it, but I, I don't personally care too much about it because I uh, for me I, I see the the having uh, as you were touching upon yourself there in the beginning that the having hype uh, it is what I believe is is the strongest uh, driving force of, um, of, of the price of, of Bitcoin. And, and um, I, I know you, you often, Adam, say the price is, um, is not really important. And, and of course, that's, we're here for mass adoption, but price does something to mass adoption as well. Um, it, um, it, it is what gets people to, um, you know, they talk about it on CNBC and TV shows and, they pay attention and then they want to get some because the FOMO starts. So it, it, it does have a positive effect on adoption, uh, a higher price. Also a higher price means that um, uh, the developers basically get funded because some of the developers simply uh, hold Bitcoins themselves. So a higher price means that they don't have to do other things but can focus on developing. And uh, also there's, um, as I kind of see it as an outsider to the developer community. Um, companies like um, Blockstream and others have been founded by people with a lot of Bitcoin and they can then, you know, in the same situation, because they become more wealthy, the, the, the founders of the company or the companies themselves um, afford to fund Bitcoin development um, so, uh, so I think price is super important and, and, and going up is, is great. And I think having is the main thing that drives it. I think all the work from uh, at 100 trillion USD, the, I think the quant 
mathematician in Holland, I believe. Um, all the, the work he's done there at analyzing the um, stock to flow um, model for, for Bitcoin has been extremely um, precise and uh, kind of just had, have put a lot of um, confirmations uh, to the thoughts that I had earlier and then actually making some things more precise. Um, so, uh, yeah, back is great, but having is what it's all about. Huh. Hey, I, I like that attitude right there. And I like how you brought up the price in terms of funding the developers. Of course, I'm still going to say one Bitcoin equals one Bitcoin. I, I'm offended by selling, of course. But uh, the, the, the having hype obviously will bring up the price. But this backed hype, uh, institutional hype, uh, perhaps brings up the price also. Again, for me, it's all baked into the cake with the back thing. I knew it, we've all known it's gonna be coming for a while. And uh, now they give us September. So Alex, what's your thoughts down in Australia about that? Look, similar to Anders in terms of uh, net effect, uh, I think, um, well, there's a couple of points I'll touch on. I, I think first top of mind is you guys were just talking about price and stuff and pr price is inextricably linked. The, the economic model of Bitcoin is inextricably linked to its security. You know, speculation is a network effect, um, you know, and the, the, the way Bitcoin is designed as this fundamental uh, economic monetary system, um, you know, it, it, it's recursive. You know, the, the stronger the price, the greater the security, the more the incentive, the more people want to get in, you know, the more volatility, the more speculation, et cetera. And, and it's sort of this snowball effect that, um, that keeps growing. So, you know, you, you can never really um, discuss Bitcoin without, I, I think what you're sort of getting at, um, Adam, is people, um, people start to, you know, spend their, times think, spend their time thinking about tea leaves and trying to analyze that shit with respect to price and not understand that the, the fundamental element of price is just this discovery of what this thing is worth. And as that price grows, it's just a reflection of the network becoming stronger and becoming broader, et cetera. Now, you know, tying that back into BACT, um, you know, how that helps. I mean, I, I don't know, like, so, so from what I understand, BACT is um, actual physical settled um, futures. So, you know, that's sort of, different to what's been proposed in the past or what exists etc um you know I, I have heard people talk about you know these etfs being a form of um centralization of you know the the actual asset itself um so you know i, I don't know if i've got an opinion there yet because i haven't really spent time looking into it but you know if, if you think about it logically if you've got you know a hundred billion dollars worth of bitcoin being held via um some other ETF or, or some other instrument that is not actually Bitcoin, um, one could argue that, you know, that that's a, um, you know, that that's some form of centralization in the, um, in the broader ecosystem. I don't know if that has an effect. And, you know, again, seeing Bitcoin's um, progression, nothing moves in a straight line. You know, we sort of ebb and flow with thing, you know, pockets, of the whole Bitcoin ecosystem being a little bit more centralized at times than being less, you know, centralized, et cetera. You know, we saw that with mining, right? Mining sort of went through this phase where it felt really centralized and now it's sort of dissipating. Um, 
So yeah, so I, I don't I don't have a direct opinion. D do I think it's going to bring you know more capital into the space? Yes, um, that's fine. Um, and at the end of the day, I mean, this this whole thing is about you know a new monetary economic system, which is inextricably linked to capital coming onto the system. So whatever. Yes. Yeah. I'm long term happy. thinking, baby. Think about the long term here. What? What's, what's going to happen? This is, we're just the tip of the iceberg here. All right, everybody, remember, check out these guys below. Their links are below. Uh, pound that freaking like button. All right, Anders, I want to get into a subject matter that also was discussed throughout the week. It seemed like there was a lot of frustration on Twitter from, well, a lot of uh, blowback, I guess. People talking about these crypto funds that diversified into all sorts of altcoins and had people... People were handing over their money to these crypto funds for them to buy them the smart altcoins. And lo and behold, if you just would have held Bitcoin, <laughs> just put it on your Trezor, forgot about it, it beat, it beat the altcoins. So Anders, uh, your thought on the future of altcoins, uh, diversification for the sake of diversification, and uh, Bitcoin dominance. Right. Um, well, like I've always said, and you know my opinion, um, since uh, since a few weeks after or one month after I sort of got into Bitcoin, I, I realized that the rest was uh, utter crap and you should stay away from it. And that uh, was actually the reason I started this meetup in, in uh, Los Angeles um, to try and educate people to um, you know, the dangers of anything else but Bitcoin. Sure, you can, there's dangers related to Bitcoin. There's nothing, nothing is safe about the success of, of Bitcoin, although I think it's a very high chance of success. Um, but um, but the, the altcoins, are, I, I think if you study it a little bit, very clearly um, people that are uh, scamming people, um, uh, Investors that don't do their due diligence um, and they use buzzwords, you know, each coin is either, a, you know, a fast coin, like Litecoin that had like a, a faster block time or it's a privacy coin like Monero or it's like, oh, like, and then there's Ethereum, there's a world computer. And at the end of the day, it's about raising funds and put it in the founder's pockets, but not really generating anything that has uh, any value. And I know, you know, I'm used to getting some hate for that, but um, I, I think um, a lot of people also have been happy that that when people like me, uh, uh, you know, both me and other people have been saying this, that they have avoided uh, losing money uh, buying old coins. Um, now, when it comes to diversification, yeah, sure, I think it's a good idea to diversify, but definitely not in anything else than Bitcoin when it comes to cryptocurrency because a money is a winner-takes-all game. And according to Gresham's law, which makes a lot of sense, uh, in the end, the strongest uh, money, the best money is the one that is the only one that has value. The rest will just be, be used and used and used until you don't have it anymore because you don't want to have it. You want to keep the one in your hand and your back pocket uh, that has the, the best value. Um, so if you want to diversify, um, I, I would personally more consider something like QQQ, which is a NASDAQ ETF, um, and uh, Vanguard, 
uh, read. They have uh, things called BNQ or something that take a simple. So, so that's away from the crypto sphere. Like, so what I'm saying is, bottom line, I, I wouldn't touch anything else diversification-wise in um, uh, in the crypto sphere. Uh, only look outside. Um, and and you get you're spot on. Anders, you're spot on. I was just going to throw something in there while it's on the top of mind. So sure. I think, you know, to, to really sum that piece up is, you know, aside from the Gresham's law and the fact that money is a convergent network um, and that all of these other things are effectively currencies, they're not equities, they're none of that sort of stuff. So what ends up happening is all the liquidity converges into you know, the, the, the asset or the good or the tool that acts as money, that's the, the primary one, right? So aside from that fact, even, you know, even if we took that out of the equation, um, for people looking to diversify, you cannot diversify um, with assets that are all correlated in nature. Like the, the definition of diversification is to pair or to group together assets that are uncorrelated. Um, if everything moves in the same direction. So all these idiots who went and, um, who went and diversified their crypto portfolio with crypto, they didn't actually get the benefit of diversification, which is lowering risk. They actually increased the leverage in their portfolio. So they yeah, actually yeah. did the opposite. They yeah, actually right. did the opposite. Yeah, that's a good point. Deranged. They didn't do any numbers. They had no idea what they were doing. I wrote a big article about this, um, about you know why Amber, for example, is a Bitcoin-only product because I always get asked that, and they're like, oh, you know, what if people want to diversify across coins? I said, that's just stupid. You, you don't, yeah. you can't diversify yeah. across coins. If if we're going to allow people to diversify, it's a different asset class that does something completely unrelated to what Bitcoin does. Yeah. So yeah. um, I agree, and um, also I think um, uh, when it comes to this, uh, as Adam, you were talking about in your question about these uh, hedge funds. Um, or hedge fund managers or crypto fund managers. Um, they created these uh, funds um, because uh, they can make good fees on splitting the investments between different cryptocurrencies. And, and that's why they had to argue that it does make sense yeah. to support yeah. financially this other crap um, uh, coins out there and um and they've just become so hilarious uh when they're still to this date when it's i think so obvious and logic that that these other um blockchains um and and and, and coins um it's so obvious that they're gonna end up very close to zero and and they still argue that no it it, uh, it makes sense to diversify and and they attack people like us for, you know, being toxic um, because we, we call them out on their, on their scams, you know, and, but, and that's why to this day, I very proudly call myself a toximalist um, because I'm a toxic maximalist and I'm, I'm proud of it because I'm doing that for the better of people. Yeah, now they, something that you said, they have the buzzwords though. The buzzwords lure in the 80 percenters. They're going to always have, well, this is the next Bitcoin. This is the fast Bitcoin. This is the private Bitcoin. So, of course, it seems like you are diversifying into something uh, completely uh, different. But, again, they are, right. tor they are totally correlated with Bitcoin. When Bitcoin goes up, it brings all the rest of them up. When Bitcoin goes down, it, it, it's, it's, it's silly to me at this point. But, again, there's a lot of newbies that have yet to get into the space. That are yeah. that are going to that that are that are used to diversifying, you know, 
they, they, that's how they were taught to invest and they think these, these things are actually different. Now, we're, we're talking about different assets. Something else that's been in the news this week is gold, of course. Uh, the last two weeks, to tell you the truth, uh, gold ha has been going up. And so I guess, uh, Andrew, uh, well, not Andrew, uh, Alex, what's, what's your thought on gold? Look, it's still, it's one of the, uh, you know, you just said 80 percenters, right? So yeah. m most people are going to be still, but most people still perceive gold as the safe haven asset, right? And at some point in time, the, um, this is this is a multi-generational shift to to really you know start viewing bitcoin as that safe asset so i know there's a lot of talk these days about you know is bitcoin becoming a safe haven asset and and i don't know like i'm i'm skeptical that it is becoming a safe haven asset at this point in time um you know from a viewing it uh broadly speaking like I, I don't think most people will still view bitcoin as a as a safe haven asset at this point in time i still think it's um more considered a speculative asset amongst people but where i'm going with that is that the investment opportunity for bitcoin whilst there might be a bit of a flavor of safe haven i think the the bigger investment opportunity is that it's an emergent asset class um, not not just the safe haven today. Whereas gold is, it's not an emergent asset class. Gold emerged over the last five thousand years. So gold's that boring safe haven asset that um, you know, that people will you know go to when they think that shit's hitting the fan around the world. And I mean, we're we're seeing that right. We you know, Hong Kong, you you name it. You can basically point to just about any continent now, and there's a big drama going on, um, and people are wondering what the hell to do. So, you know. The US dollar, because it's still, you know, again, money has this convergent network effect. The US dollar is still considered a safe haven asset. So, you know, capital's flowing in there. People are also, you know, thinking maybe I should buy some gold. You know, you see silver rallying as well. And, you know, maybe a small percentage of people are starting to view um, Bitcoin as a, um, as a safe haven asset. So they're putting some capital there and that might be part of the driver. But again, you, you invest in Bitcoin for a very different reason is because it's an emergent uh, safe haven asset um, versus an established safe haven asset where gold is. All right, Anders, I know you're going to have a, you're going to have yeah. some stuff to say about what he just said. Safe haven asset. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to continue on that. I think um, I think Alex is is right about that. That Bitcoin is still emerging. Um, gold is seen as safe haven by people because, well, by all the people who haven't. Um, you know, gotten full Bitcoin out yet, <laughs> and a Bitcoin yet, they still see it as safe haven. Like right now, personally, I would see gold as extremely uh, unsafe haven because I would feel that within the next five to eight, maybe ten years, there's going to be a a switch between the valuations of those two. So I wouldn't feel safe at all in gold. Uh, it's nice and shiny, but that's not what really gives it its value. I think. So um, right now, Bitcoin is the emerging uh, asset. Uh, um, it, it is, I think, because if you look at the properties all the way down and compare gold to, to Bitcoin, we, we all know that, that Bitcoin is a better asset in many ways, the ways that it cannot be seized. You can send it to the other uh, side of the world instantly um, and, and all these things. Um, uh, so, so it, it, it is a better safe ha haven asset. It's just still 
uh, yet an emerging safe haven asset, but correct. Yeah. It, it, it won't take uh, more than eight years and, and the two have swapped places in my opinion. Maybe gold will hold on a little bit to its value, but Bitcoin will be bigger than gold uh, market cap wise. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anders, yeah. I, I 100% agree with you. Oh, yeah, sure. I'm not, yeah, I'm not saying you, yeah, you don't, but... It's a, it's a temporal thing. You know, it's, it's like right now in the psyche of, you know, most people and where most of the capital is in the world, gold is still, you know, that piece, you know, and, but Bitcoin is so much more superior. It's not even funny that there's only one yeah, element yeah. that, um, that gold beats Bitcoin in. And that is the fact that it's physical. Um, yeah. but I'm sure we'll, you know, I mean, you've got those, what are they called? Um, the open dimes that that's basically physical right. Bitcoin. <laughs> right. So, right. You right. can just hand that around. So, and, and I think that's more superior to gold as well. So, you know, really. But then yeah. you got to think about like, if you want to go through customs in an airport, uh, oh, you got no wanna, chance. What, do you, do you, you want to walk with something physical or do you want to memorize? Correct. Yeah. Because if you just memorize your seat, you can carry $500 million in your memory. I mean, when yeah, someone absolutely. told me that originally, I was like, I was blown away. I think that's, yeah. that's pretty awesome. Yeah, me, me and Gigi have talked about this a lot is that, you know, Bitcoin's redefined, you know, how like redefined money, redefined location, redefined all of these things. Like, you know, when someone asks you, where's your Bitcoin? I mean, you know, what, what, you can't answer that question. It's an impossible right. question to answer because it's not anywhere, but it's everywhere. Right. Yeah. yeah so, it's, it's on the blockchain. It's, it's, on, the, it's on all the nodes. Uh, right. You know what? But oh, is when it, someone asks you that question. Is it in your head? When someone asks you that question, though, you got when a normie asks you that question, you got to give them an answer that makes sense. I, I'm just like it's on this device. That's I just yeah 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 yeah. yeah. I give yeah. Them a but, but, yeah, but fundamentally, fundamentally, that is um you know it's not the case, right? So it's just it's just such a profound you know reinvention. Um, it, it's it's a profound reinvention. It's a profound change in the way we understand money it, you know it's like when you hold gold it, it's here it's now you know you can identify the location you, you know what it is but you know B bitcoin's so much more powerful in that sense because it is so much more meta and um and yeah so so 100 this is this is an emergent uh monetary asset that is superior in every form than anything that we've ever had and you know the, the benefit that we have now and this is sort of what i tell people you know, buy, buying Bitcoin now is kind of like being that caveman 5,000 years ago when everyone was still using shells and rocks and stuff like that. And, you know, you were trading your shells and rocks with these other people who found this yellow shiny rock and they thought the yellow shiny rock was useless because everybody else was using shells and stones and crap. So they were exactly. like, oh yeah, I'll give you this rock and give me the, give me the shells. And some dude was smart enough to, to collect as much of this yellow shiny rock as possible. And what ended up happening was it emerged as the, the best uh, object or the best tool that we could collectively as a society use as money. Um, and now here we are with a, um, with a much better, you know, 2.0, um, yeah, you know, yeah. like a real zero to one innovation on that. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, th th this is where the game is at. This is absolutely where the game is at. Well, what, what I'd like to, if I can say just uh, something in extension of that, what, what I like um, to, to, to say or look at when I um, look at, you know, compare different monies, like we came from the shells and the stones and, and then came to gold and now to um, Bitcoin, there's, there's a couple of properties uh, yeah. 
that uh, that money has, and Bitcoin has infinite maximum them. value on all of them. Yes. Like there's not one where, and yes, okay, privacy is maybe not there 100% yet, but uh, well, if you use Wasabi wallet with CoinJoin, and then there's the other thing as well you can use, I don't recall the name of that. You can actually already now create some privacy, but uh, when you go through that, so actually all the way through, like traditional money properties, Bitcoin has maximum uh, value and nothing else has that, that has the network effect and security, safety and scarcity, which is 100% cap again, that Bitcoin has. And at the same time, it's unconfiscatable and um, it's censorship resistant. So it's, you can't make a better money than Bitcoin. Yeah, correct, correct, correct. Um, the, let, I mean, let's just for the for the listeners, let's um, let's list those attributes. So, yeah. so, so money performs three functions. It money should perform first and foremost be a store of value. Then it evolves into a medium of exchange, and then it becomes a unit of account. So that's sort of the life cycle yeah. of money. That's the functions it performs. But for for a money to perform those functions, it needs certain attributes. So it needs to be um, it needs to be durable. It needs to be divisible. It needs to be portable. It needs to be um, homogeneous, meaning it needs to be the same, needs to be recognizable, needs to be scarce. So, so they're sort of the attributes that an ideal money has. And yeah, like you said, Bitcoin is a 10 out of 10 on all of those, whereas everything else is some sort of scale on that. Um, and I mean, you know, we've got 10 out of 10. <laughs> you yeah. know, like, you're not going to beat that. Then what the thing you can say that it like, let's say if you're a Litecoin fan and you go, but yeah, Litecoin is like, we, we copied the code. Like it's exactly the same, like, okay, small tweaks. So it's kind of also 10 out of 10, but here's a very important difference. And that is the network effect yeah. uh, that Bitcoin already has that Litecoin just never even has been close to. And that's why you can forget it. Like you cannot take over something that has 10 out of 10 all the way down with uh, like one percent of the users, you can. Correct. Like yeah. You correct. To, correct. Yeah. You have it's, to bring something to the yeah. table that is an order of magnitude better. But you better. Can yeah. Get an order of magnitude better when you are infinite ma- uh, value all the way down on portable, durable, divisible, fungible, uh, etc. Spot on. Spot on. Yes. Yeah. So we had a zero to one innovation to get here, and now that like at least, and this is sort of what I tell people. I go, there will not be. I mean. I don't know whether in 500 years we come up with something better. I doubt it, but you know, maybe sometime in the next millennium or two or whatever, you know, if we don't blow ourselves up, we may come up with something better. But as far as I understand, converting energy to, you know, a, a, you know, digital immutability and digital scarcity that gives you, you know, the, the maximum you can get on all of those and, is coupled with this immaculate conception that Bitcoin is like, it's this thing that is complex and has you know, grown in the market exactly the way it needed to your generation, my generation, no other generation, at least for the next five, 10, 15, 20, a hundred generations is going to come up with something better. Um, I so, I so, the same. And that's why I can say pound that like button. <laughs> my fellow cavemen because we were talking about cavemen before pound that like button you guys that are watching this my elite friends i forgot to say hello to all you but man this has been a elite show so far i, I want to bring alex before the show you at we well i think it was yesterday uh we're talking about uh bitcoin being the contrarian bet i think this is a, a nice time to uh bring up what you meant by that 
Well, I'm, I'm writing an article at the moment, which is, um, it's called 10 years on and Bitcoin is still the contrarian bet. Like if, if we, you know, if Bitcoin was supposedly some sort of startup, right. Um, you know, it, like when, when investors or VCs or, you know, people in the marketplace generally go and look at startups, they're like, oh, look at this amazing startup. It's been around for this long. It's gotten through these challenges. It has all of these evangelists around it, like raving fan customers. Like you look at all of those things um, and in a normal mental framework, in a normal mental model, people would think that Bitcoin is the greatest success in history. But the general view of Bitcoin is like you walk around on the street and you mention the word Bitcoin to people. And we do this a lot because of the, you know, the kind of product that we have. People think it's dead. People think it's, you know, it's, it's, you know, that there's still this idea that it's a scam or a Ponzi or that it died or didn't Bitcoin crash. Isn't it back to zero? Like it's still the general consensus amongst people is that this thing is gone. When in reality, when you look at the facts, it is, you know, if you wanted to, to put it in the mental model or in the framework of startups or anything else, other than something as contentious as the creation of a new money. Um, Bitcoin is like a, the greatest success we've ever seen. You know, I, I don't know of any product that's got raving lunatics like us jumping up and down on YouTube, telling people to bash like buttons and, you know, warring with each other on Twitter and all that. I mean, imagine if a product had that kind of um, consumer base, It'd be the greatest product in the world. You know, the closest thing I can think of is Apple, but I can guarantee you, you know, people are willing to die for Bitcoin, not willing to die for Apple. So like this is, this is the, one of the strongest stories I've ever seen. And again, you know, it's still the contrarian bet because people, um, there's this broad consensus, like I said earlier, that it's dead or that it's, you know, scam or, or whatever. Now what that means is, the upside potential is still extraordinary. Whilst it is the contrary in bet, it is extraordinary. And I, I put a tweet up a couple of weeks ago, um, which sort of said that, you know, one of Bitcoin's greatest advantages is that so many people still hate it and will hate it for a while to come, which keeps it the contrary in bet. And that is where the upside is. And that, so what I'm referring to there is when Bitcoin becomes the thing that everyone wants or that everyone is already holding and that everybody um, already agrees is the thing that we're all using, it is no longer the contrarian bet. But at that point in time, it's no longer the thing you're buying for, um, for the purpose of you know, increasing your net worth or whatever. It, it's not the Bitcoin has evolved from being this emergent store of value or this emergent monetary unit to being an established safe haven monetary um, asset. So th this, this whole life cycle thing is really important. And right now it is the contrary bet because of the point in time where it's at. And it's just to see um, how something so successful can still be a contrary bet. It's, it's just fucking phenomenal. And, and, I, and I love that. Wow. Pound that like button people. That is, that is inside. We've got the insider information. You really put it out there nicely, Alex. Uh, Anders, what's your, what's your thoughts? On, on the, um, uh, oh, well, maybe what, anything, anything to reply to, to what Alex just, uh, pointed out there about, uh, 
about the you know that you go out in the world today and most people think it's failed it's but true then it's, it's true that, yeah it's it's true that it's um it's actually amazing that 10 and a half years on something that is so i think uh, logically um fantastic idea um still has not been accepted by each and every seven billion people or how many we are on earth because it makes so much sense and it's actually not so um, difficult to understand if you um, if you opened your mind but the problem is that um, the, the, the teachings we have um, from society from school from mass media from uh, like unaudited uh, federal reserves that are teaching us another thing of course that that has given people um, a point of view where it takes longer time to get them to open their mind and uh, smell the roses or you know see see how how simple and logic it actually is that Bitcoin is just a better mind and, and, but that's uh, where the advantage lies for people like us right so, oh, so yeah, you know sure. I, I have a saying in life yeah, I have a saying in life, which is if you want to win, be the contrarian. Don't run with the crowd. And I love, and this is why I love Bitcoin so much, is because I'm, I'm fundamentally a contrarian. I've always been one in my life. I always do the opposite of what people tell me, all that sort of stuff. And I, I mean, I sometimes take, take things to an extreme, but I love Bitcoin so much because if you go in the, you know, in, in the normal world, Bitcoin is the contrary in bet. Everyone thinks it's dead. In the finance world, everyone thinks it's all, you know, it's bull crap. You know, we've got a financial system ready. You go into the blockchain world, they all think it's crap because they're more interested in their bullshit yeah, blockchains. Yeah. You go in the altcoin world, you know, the Ethereum guys, they think they're the real deal. So all the shit coins think that yeah. it's, you know, crap. Everybody, like all of yeah. these groups all think that it's, it's the one that's missing. And, you know, for those who are, who can, and, and there's, there's a distinction uh, between being contrarian and being stupid. Um, and, and that is taking, um, d doing an analysis from first principles. So when we look at Bitcoin, you and I don't just magically believe in it because we also believe in unicorns and, you know, fairy dust. We, we have actual facts and we have first mm -hmm. principles that guide why we understand Bitcoin the way we do. Mm -hmm. So when you find something where the first principles add up and you have a consistent, strong, applicable narrative and everybody else is thinking the opposite, you have the greatest opportunity mm. um, for upside yeah. possible. And, and that's why, you know, I... It, you know what, Alex, it reminds me of... Um, I, I started uh, investing just uh, a little bit when I was from when I was 12 years old. Um, I bought my first uh, stock, and um, and people mostly said you should go and talk to the you know advisor in the bank which stock to buy. Mm. But I'm like, if whatever advice I'm gonna get there, um, every, everyone else got it first but before. Yeah, yeah. that that's i'm just i'll be going with the flow and i'll be you know seven steps behind them that's not going to be advantageous you gotta do your own uh analysis and and your own thinking and find out what's a winner and what's not a winner and i think um i mean 
I personally started believing in internet in like 95, 90, yeah, I think 95. Um, I started an internet company in, in 96. And um, uh, it, it was the same situation as now that, you know, people didn't believe in the internet in the 90s, like a lot of people. Some people did, but a lot didn't. Um, because why, why would we need a news website? Because we still, we have newspapers. I'm never, you know, I'm just going to read my newspaper. Why would I ever go to a website for news? Um, well, you will read your newspaper if you want yesterday's news and the website is, is for today's news. So what am I trying to say with that? Um, yeah, I, th I think what's important, what I'm, what I've always tried to do um, and what comes natural to me is if something new comes along, look at the properties of that thing, like analyze it and totally um, ignore the fact that it has 0.0001 market share at this point in time. Only look at how great it is. And if it is like orders of magnitudes better than what is now, it doesn't matter if it hasn't taken over the world yet, then it will highly likely unless there's something you know, structurally in the way of that happening. Um, and, um, and that's where I think the 80 percent as, as uh, Adam speaks a lot about, and which is totally true, I, I, I agree with you. Um, they tend to not believe in something becoming successful until it actually has become actually, successful, yeah, exactly. which is yeah, yeah. going along the, the, the thoughts you have with the contrarian bet there, I think. Yeah, um, fitting fitting no, in is quite, overrated. Fitting in is overrated, as I say. Sorry. I yeah, fitting totally. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, well, let's. Uh, I want to. I want to talk about something that involves eighty percenters. Uh, something they don't have. Low time preference as a way of life. Alex. Yes. Um, I was uh, I was catching up with a friend over the weekend and we we're just having a conversation. So she's sort of like uh, she's interested in, you know, the, the environmental movement and, you know, being ecological and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, I, I could sense smart girl, but um, I could sense undertones of things like, oh, you know, um, you know, the it's the corporations and all that sort of stuff that are screwing up the environment, you know, and, and she sort of almost said like the corporate capitalist sort of structure. And, and I had to correct her. I was like, look, it's got nothing to do with, um, with capitalism. Um, it's got everything to do with the, the time preference that society has uh, at the moment. Um, capitalism at its, at its core is actually the closest system we have to something that is natural um, because capitalism you know, optimizes for uh, power laws. Uh, capitalism optimizes for production, for value, for input, for work. Um, whereas the crony capitalism system that we have at the moment optimizes for, you know, when you're at the top, you know, you don't stay at the top by innovating or adding more value. You stay at the top by regulating and getting into, you know, powwows with your mates. So that way you can put roadblocks in front of, you know, those that are potentially better than you. So what, what I sort of explained to her was what Bitcoin gives us and, and why, again, it's such a contrarian view to everything that we have in the world today is, Bitcoin optimizes for a more for a lower time preference type of lifestyle or a lower time preference type of economic system because your wealth 
and the purchasing power of that wealth, you know, at a point in time will become fixed. You know, the, the work you put in um, is measured in this unit and that unit is fixed in society. Um, now, yes, you know, there might be fluctuations and stuff like that, but broadly speaking, so what I'm talking about is, you know, at the point of hyper Bitcoinization or, you know, where, where Bitcoin is the, you know, the, the, the network upon which, you know, we're all sort of operating in at that point in time, when you don't have to, um, I'll explain it this way. At the moment we have, um, the, the monetary system or the economic system is designed so that you're incentivized to go and spend as much as you can and to chase yield in every single way that you can because your wealth is depreciating by about 50% every 10 years. So what you inherently get is a system or a model where consumerism is optimized or is, is incentivized. People just go and spend all the money they have because you know, they, they're incentivized to consume um, because of inflation and because you know, their, their wealth is depreciating. Um, and then those who may not want to consume, um, instead of producing, you know, what they're going out and doing is they're going investing money blindly into anything that they can possibly invest in, chasing yield in places where you wouldn't normally chase yield. And we see malinvestment, we see stupidity, we see all of these zombie corporations, you know, growing around the world. We see, you know, ghost cities like we see in China. We see all of these distortions in an economy because we're incentivized to have a high time preference. We're incentivizing, we are incentivizing now over the future. Whereas if you can swap that around with something like Bitcoin, where you actually fix the, um, the, the unit through which we measure people's value input, i.e. the money, um, you create a society where that incentive doesn't exist anymore. So those who want to store their wealth, they don't have to chase yield anymore. They can store their wealth. Those that want to work and have input, guess what? Now you don't have to go and blindly spend all your money. You can optimize and you can buy what you want, what you need primarily first. Um, so it's, it's a, you know, the way I look at economics, it's, you know, it's just a fractal of biology. It's a fractal of physics. Everything, you know, functions on incentives. Um, you know, a physical system is something that um, has inputs and outputs. And, you know, like the, the best analogy I give to people is more a biological um, example is um, the incentive mechanism for life is pain and pleasure. You know, you, you, you do things, you, you get pleasure, you do more of those, you do things, you get pain, you get, um, you know, you do less of those and we start to optimize and grow around that. An incentive and economic system is uh, very similar is that the incentive and the disincentive is like uh, pain and ple sorry, pleasure and pain. And um, what ends up happening is the, the way you set the framework up then takes us down a path. And in the beginning, it might not seem too bad, but you take that out 10 years, 20 years, 50 years, 100 years, 200 years. Here we are now where we're all blind consumers and we've built all of this, you know, financial so-called infrastructure where, you know, for, for the average mum and dad, like I was catching up with my mum and having um, uh, breakfast two weeks ago and she's like, she's panicking. She's like, you know, I've saved up all this money. I've, you know, been working. I don't know. Like, should we put it in a property? Should we go on the stock market? Everything's, you know, going up and down. We don't know what to do. And I'm like, man, that is so messed up. Like the fact that people don't know where to store their wealth because they're too scared to keep it in a bank. They don't want it to devalue. They're scared of negative interest rates. They're scared of assets because they've been overhyped. 
like the world's gone mad. And, and that is all as a result of this high time preference, this now, 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 now at the expense of the future. So to loop this all back um, with this girl who was a bit more of an environmentalist, then what I sort of explained to her is that the way to fix a lot of these problems of, you know, uh, crazy, um, you know, shit that's happening with the environment, like where we don't care about the future of that is to adjust at the core, the time preference for society. And when we have a lower time preference, we will do things that are more ecologically um, sensical um, instead of nonsensical because we are all collectively converging towards a, um, you know, a bias that is long-term as opposed to short-term. So, uh, you know what, though? I think yeah. the buy, buy, buy hyper consumerism is just too tempting. I think the 80 percenters will always be that way and that low, low time preference isn't going to be their thing. But Andrews, what do you have to say? Yeah, uh, well, I, I think that, uh, well, Adam, that um, once Bitcoin, which is what I believe happens within 10 years, uh, takes over as the money that everybody has around the world, it will be the, the, the world reserve currency and, and general consumer money, call it what you will. Um, it, because it's deflationary, it, it will teach everyone, including the 80% as they will see how if they wait one month buying that thing, it's become cheaper. Um, they will see if they wait one year, actually their money has become even that much more worth. And the reason that happens is that, um, you know, you have this much money in the world, which is the 21 million Bitcoins. Then you have this much GDP. Uh, the money doesn't rise, but GDP, you know, production of goods and services keep rising. And that's why the value of the money uh, keeps going up because each unit can buy more of all the production. That's, that's what's meant by the deflationary. And uh, I have no doubt that, this is such a strong um, mechanism that it will change people from high time preference to low time preference will be going from a consumer society to a saving society. Um, I, I think it can actually be productive, productive. I think that, so what we, what we, what we evolve, what we move away from is we, that kind of a model optimizes production as opposed to consumption. Um, and, and that, that's the important thing right. because, because what you want to do in that type of a environment is you want to acquire more wealth, um, because your yeah, wealth yeah. is going to, you know, appreciate. So, so what you want to do is you want to produce more, you want to be a better producer. You want to, you yeah. know, you want to add more value. You want to put more input into society. And, and that's a strong fundamental incentive of that system. So yeah, hundred percent. I think it will, um, where today we think it's a, you know, the, the chance of saving your way to, you know, a financial independence at retirement, like that you can actually be, be uh, you know, retire on the savings you did throughout your life. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's pretty much a joke today. It's non-existent, but Correct, yeah. again, become very much uh, possible even for, you know, lower middle class and to some extent poor people, as long, you know, if you can keep your spending uh, at a low enough level, then um, that 
deflationary effect your money has, the, the way that they become worth more, even for someone who doesn't make that much money, you know, give it five years, give it 10 years, 15, 20 years, you know, people will learn that they through being, you know, saving instead of spending, that can really accelerate and they can become financially independent. Uh, I, want, I want to say, ask uh, Alex one question here. You brought up Shoot. the word uh, hyper-Bitcoinization and Anders yes. is a big believer in that. Are you a big mm -hmm. believer in that too? Um, I'm, okay. There's two parts to that question, I guess, is number one is the time frame question. Um, you know, I'm, I, I don't think, I personally don't believe 10 years is um, realistic. I personally think it's going to take a hell of a lot longer because I just think that um, this is a, this is a multi-generational shift. Um, then secondly, I don't know whether we end up in a world where, you know, it is just Bitcoin. I, I actually think we're more likely to head in a world where we've got parallel economic systems functioning. Um, you know, where, where um, you know, you've got, I kind of call it the, the four that I kind of say is you, you're going to have US slash NSA. You'll have, you know, the Chinese social credit system. You'll have uh, Libra and Zuckbucks and you'll have the one um, free society that, you know, runs on Bitcoin. Now, you know, long-term, what does that look like? You know, will the people from the others jump ship, you know, and come across to Bitcoin? Maybe, but maybe they'll be stuck in their own matrix. They'll be too deep in their own matrix. That um that they won't jump, you know, we'll have this parallel system. So, I feel like that's the more pragmatic um, and realistic approach. Um, but who I think, knows? Yeah, I, I think it's gonna be. Um, although I can hear that both of you believe in this, I think it's gonna be so obvious uh, for anyone living in any of those other systems and storing their wealth in either a Chinese currency or a US NSA currency or Libra or whatever, that, that Bitcoin is so much better because we are going to reach, um, you know, it, the knowledge and understanding of Bitcoin is spreading like uh, rings in water. And yes, we're still at a very low um, percentage of the global population, but we do have tremendous speed still when you look how much is achieved from, you know, in 2008, it was one person. And then in 2009, I don't know how many people, 10, 100, 50, maybe 20, um, in the beginning of 2000. It's so- uh, It goes by an order of magnitude every year, yep. Yeah, so an, an order of a magnitude every year is a lot. Um, so yeah. that, means, that means 10 years from now, that means everyone in the world has yeah. the knowledge and understanding. Maybe yeah. there'll be some left, but, I mean, if all it takes is, you know, more than 90% and then it, the effect will be so strong that, um, that there's no doubt, I think, uh, in, there won't be, you know, you can't ignore it anymore and it, it's, it's just, uh, it, it's going to happen. You can't fight it. Like fighting, I think, it's my opinion, fighting Bitcoin taking over because it's superior is like fighting the gravity of a black hole. That's what I, I like to say, because that's, that's impossible. You can't fight the gravity of a black hole. And I, I don't think you can fight Bitcoin taking over. And I think it has that kind of speed, as you say. Um, and maybe it hasn't felt that like as that much 
the last couple of years. But since we're getting to a size now in amount of people, um, you know, having that speed now, it really starts taking up. Yeah. Look, I, I agree to the extent that, you know, I've, I've called Bitcoin a black hole many times. Um, you know, it's just something that sucks liquidity. It sucks up capital. It sucks interest. It sucks your whole bloody life up. <laughs> it's, um, you know, it's my, it's my personal black hole <laughs> here. Here I am. It, it's, it's technically my birthday today and I'm in the office at 6 30 PM and I've got another podcast after this. So literally this is all I do. <laughs> and, um, I'm sitting here Thursday, um, uh... 30 minutes past midnight. Now it's like one and a half hours past midnight. Yeah. yeah. So it's, um, loving it. Exactly. So, so I, I, hundred percent agree with you. I just feel like the, the existing system, I just don't think it's going to be that clean. I think the process is going to be, um, far more protruded. So even if we do end up with some form of hyper Bitcoinization where everybody is on a Bitcoin type standard, I think that is probably even further, further, further away. I think the the Bitcoin economic system can probably sustain itself on, you know, and I'm just pulling numbers out of my butt here, but you know, half a billion or a billion people, and it can be a parallel functional economic system Mm -hmm. through which, you know, a subset of the population completely, you know, is able to operate on, you know, and and they can be anywhere around the world. Um, Whilst, the other systems, the only way they'll survive is by literally creating firewalls and roadblocks and all of that sort of stuff around within their jurisdiction so that the people who are inside those, they just don't, you know, they don't get to peer into, um, yeah. you know, this big I, 20 ecosystem. And, and that's sort of... I hear you. I, yeah. I just don't think it's... And, and I mean, but yet again, just let me say this, like... Um, you know, we very much agree on that's probably, you know, that's where it's going to end up. And talking about the timeline is not something um, worth maybe um, uh, discussing too hard. But I, I think that, um, but reaching a level where, say, half a billion use Bitcoin and half Bitcoin, um, it, it's just going to be impossible for the, the these other jurisdictions to to keep Bitcoin out because it's exactly the same as um, alcohol during the 20s in US, uh, the prohibition. You had plenty of alcohol. Uh, the last 50 years in US, I don't know how many trillions of dollars have been spent on fighting drugs. All possible drugs you ever wanted has been available in US. Um, I don't know from personal experience, but I mean, I see movies and TV and you know, you hear things. so. You know, I mean, it is, right? You know, it's a problem. It keeps being there. Um, yeah, yeah. Look, I, I agree. I agree. I agree. But, you know, yeah. I'll, I'll just always err on the side of never underestimate the, you know, the stupidity of human consensus when people are operating, you know, from a, from a place of, um, you know, unfounded fear, which is where, where they've been operating for a long time. So, yeah. yeah. That's a good argument right there, though. I have to give you that. <laughs> All right, dudes. Well, I, I want to say this. Remember, a lot... Anders, there are some dudes out there that are very passionate about your hyper-Bitcoinization in 10 years. Uh, and you can follow Anders. He is linked to below. So is Alex. And I want Alex to talk about w- one of your passions, and that is Amber app. We haven't covered that yet. We got we to gotta talk about it. Yeah, well, re- really briefly. So, again, this whole low time preference thing, um, Amber is, is a dollar cost averaging app. So, 
you know, that there's no longer an excuse for people not to buy Bitcoin when they can set an automatic purchase of $20 a week, 50 bucks a week, $5 a day. It doesn't really matter. Um, and it just accumulates Bitcoin for them. So it's actually, it's, it's a low time preference product for a low time preference money for a low time preference human being. So anyone out there who's trying to, you know, practice becoming a more, you know, sensible, low time preference human being um, and wants to start accumulating and collecting this asset, have a look at amber.app. That, that's our website, you know, and that's really the, the fundamental thesis behind that is just now's the time to collect Bitcoin. Now's the time to, you know, get as much of this thing as you can because you're not going to be able to buy as much in the future. And, um, and, and that, that's basically the one thing that we all can guarantee. Like we can't, we can't guarantee the time frame. We don't know whether it's going to take 10 years, 50 years, 100 years to hyper Bitcoinize. Um, but that, that's the trajectory. That's the trend. Um, and the one thing, you know, we can all agree and say is that Bitcoin, you know, in the, in the future is going to be worth a hell of a lot more than it is now um, in, you know, dollar nominal terms. So, you know, the, the best strategy is just close your eyes and just keep buying. Simple Get as that. Some. Uh, one quick yeah. thing about about Amber app. I have many people, a growing audience from Australia. It's only available in Australia, correct? Correct. It's only available in Australia at the moment. I'm hoping by the end of the year. I'm actually, I've people from South America, from uh, South Africa, like all this sort of stuff have reached out and said, look, you know, when are you launching here? Um, you know, can we partner? Can you help you and all that sort of stuff? So my plan is by the end of the year to, to announce the next couple of jurisdictions that we're going to launch in. So, um, so exciting times, man, you know, coming into 2020, we're going to be trying to get available in as many places as possible around the world. All right. Value your wealth in Bitcoin. Uh, Alex, thank you so much for making your, your appearance, uh, your return to the show. And I really do love that, uh, four different parallel systems that, that you brought up that, that I'm going toward that path uh, that you talked about. Now, Anders, what, what are your conclusionary thoughts here? Anything you want to bring up, talk about? Well, I, 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 first of all, I want to say, I think to Alex, that I think it's great what uh, uh, they're doing. And I, I wish them a lot of success um, because it will be good for, for them. It'll be good for a lot of people. Uh, I believe it'll be very good for whoever actually starts using the product. So um, great to, to have that word spread. Um, you. Oh, you're welcome, man. My pleasure. Um, and then, um, yeah, if people want to follow me, I'm on Twitter with uh, Anders. You put it below, Anders underscore, A-N-D-E-R-S underscore. And then um, I uh, recently, um, I, I heard one guy from eToro was on Tone show. I don't know if you saw that, Adam. I heard that. I know there's a lot of, you know, you can't see everything. But um, so I, th I found that a little bit interesting. I, I studied their website and, and they have something. They're the, the world's leader in social investing, which means, you know, people can follow each other. So if one guy is doing really well on um, his portfolio, then other people can say, okay, listen, I take $1,000 and copy whatever he does. Um, and uh, I, since investing is, you know, has been my passion since I was a, a child, um, I can't wait for eToro to launch um, uh, stocks as a, you know, that you can buy that in US. Because right now in US, you can't buy that. 
you can you can only buy uh, cryptocurrencies, and for me, only Bitcoin is interesting there. Yeah, not, not the rest. All right, that eToro thing is very interesting because I believe I'm going to be here in Israel talking to a guy. I'm, I'm, I'm the host of a fireside chat, chat in September, September 10th, a, public, a Tel Aviv event here in Israel. And I think I'm gonna be interviewing a, a eToro guy. So this is good to know, this social invest that is very interesting. Thank you for, for adding that. Uh, and speak, Alex, in Australia, I'm gonna be in Australia October 17th until like November. 20 something so all you australian dudes I'll, I'll be seeing you guys in person in october uh alex any conclusionary thoughts on your part no man look thank you for having me on and it's a pleasure to meet you as well man um you know if i'm if i'm up la way i'll let you know we'll uh we'll hook up Please. and catch up uh Please. yeah for sure man um and then likewise adam when you're down this way bud hit us up i'll, I'll be i'll be a balti honey badger in um in September, and then I'm going to pop over to Palm Springs for Crypto Springs. Actually, Anders, are you coming to Crypto Springs or not? That, that, that could be a good idea. It's not too far from here. Um, yeah, when when is that? That's um, end of September, man. So that's around the corner from you, end of September. You should, you should come along. Oh, okay. Yeah. So um, whoever has some uh, info on uh, tickets and locations, etc. Yeah, oh. just chuck in, type in CryptoSprings.com, I think, man, and just jump yeah. in there. And, and You're and right. Go. Just for it. Why not? Yeah, you're seeing yeah. it live. These dudes are in motion. You can meet them in person in Southern California, wherever. All right, this is great stuff. I love it. I love it. Thank you. Adam? Yes. Adam, yeah, I just also want to say thank you for, for having me on. I really appreciate it. I don't think I uh, said that before. Thank, but, thank yeah, you guys. Cool. For me. And again, this you know this is real when you are up at one in the morning or whatever. All of us are up at one in the morning with this stuff at times, doing interviews, doing weird things, doing blog posts. This is real. This is the future. And as Alex pointed out earlier, it is amazing that on the street, people think this is dead. We've got the insider information. When you watch a show like this, you get the insider information knowing that this thing is huge. Like Apple would kill to have fans like this, to have passionate people like this. And that, that, that's definitely saying a lot. So, uh, this is just, and this is just the beginning, people. Just the beginning. So, on that positive note, I am that Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, Disrupt Meister. Subscribe to the channel, like the video, share this video, pound that like button, bang that bell button. We do this uh, this week at Bitcoin every single Friday. I do a new show every single day. Saturday is Beyond Bitcoin show. I've got the conviction. This is the system. A new show every day. Thank you very much, everyone. Again. Shabbat Shalom. Uh, we will see you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.